Welcome to Game Woven, a collaborative storytelling collective building a world one game at a time. If you like what we do here, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com gamewoven. This week, we will be playing The Skeletons, written by Jason Morningstar. defend a tomb with a mosaic of the interred's great and final victory adorning the floor. The alcoves along the north wall display a bouquet of flowers, a gold key with a bronze eye, and a ring. Five skeletons guard the tomb. One with an arrow-laden shield. One with bones of stone. Another in a tattered cloak. One more with a silver torque. And finally, one who was a wolf in life. The skeletons have defended the tomb from ancient ghosts, marauding rats, and two just absolutely horrid men. They have remembered who they loved and the oaths they have sworn. And also, that Sammy was a rotten liar. Even his beard is fake. Years fly by like dead leaves. Arise and protect the tomb. Skeletal Guardians. Rob, who's our next invader? A family seeking shelter. Are they refugees? Are they monsters? Everyone answers one question if they wish. If someone slays the matriarch, they may answer two. Wrinkling their nose as the fresh scent of gulp and swallows month-rotted corpses hits them. A bedraggled woman with long kind of pointed ears and a slight sheen to her skin walks into the tomb. She has a bag that would be much better to be wearing on her back, but is clutching to her chest. She looks as though she's been chased or accosted on her way here. Does the thing of rushing into the tomb, leaning against the back wall and sliding down as if to catch a moment of breath. You would do well to leave this place. They can't hear us that fast. Yeah, we can't talk, damn it. Of course I can. Wait, what? Can we talk to them? Wait, yes. what? Yes, as the skeletons in their mind hear this woman respond. We have a duty. We must complete. Leave before we must. Deadfast says as she stands up holding her sword. Yeah, those guys, I brained that one right there by my feet. That was me. I did that. I am very intimidated, and your message is well taken, but if I do not harm this place, I need somewhere to rest. No question. It did say family. Is it just her? Seems to be so far. Okay. Uh... Uh... Oh, fuck you. We can't let them stay. No, fuck you. I think I know what Rob's doing. Fuck you. I know. Monstrous. <laughs> hey, Torque? Yes. Torque, what do we do? Torque? Torque? I'm waiting, thanks. I'm going to answer my question. What was your name? So, as we've established, the crawler's favorite game was just stealing things from its master. So, I think it was named Pilfer. <laughs> Pilfer, no! Adorable. Oh, that's wonderful. Adorable. 
And something about this woman reminds Pilfer of uh, the better times while it was alive. And it rises to do the normal ritual it does when it gets up to drop the knife. But instead, while you're all debating what to do with the woman, I think the woman reminds Pilfer of whoever the entombed is. They had a family. They had maybe a sister or a wife or a cousin or a best friend or something. I think this woman reminds Pilfer of them. I think Pilfer is going to defend them and stand in front of them in front of all of you. I mean, I can't walk away from the tomb, but I don't think we can help them. So not technically. Here's my counter to that is you walk up with the knife. Oh. I think I've started to understand what that means here. At least, I think I might. I think as there's that moment of indecision, the plated maple, as we've been calling them so far, walks forward and says, this is no place for the living. Those who are not meant to be here invade our tomb, and we are, as always, meant to repel invaders. As they pass Pilfer, they scratch Pilfer behind the skull, where, where the ears <laughs> used to be. It's a very familiar gesture that's finally been recovered. Then they reach up and they begin actually pulling the Torg apart. And it's this, this almost slow, laborious process of bending the silver back so that it fits around their spinal column. And then they say, My name is Gravekeeper... Leodois. It is a name that's been passed down along with this mark of office, and it is my responsibility to keep this tomb. It is the responsibility of my family to keep these tombs. We are the grave keepers, and we live on even beyond life. And so we've never truly been alive and never truly died. I would offer you aid and also this burden. And they extend the torg that's in the shape of a silver shovel forward. It has been bent apart so that this person can take it on if they want. They can become the next gravekeeper. Otherwise, we have to kill them. Nods respectfully. The world outside this tomb is... It is also difficult and not easy on the living either. I have, while fate has kept me here longer than I would have expected, I have grown fond of this place and would like to keep as much here safe as I can. And so I would be honored to take on this responsibility. For I do. I see, turns back to Pilfer, a very mighty offering. In my kind's most ancient traditions, this is not something that I can look away from. This seems to be something profound to you. So I will give you something profound to me. And opens the bag and pulls out a bronze, the same color bronze as the weapon, egg. Large reptilian egg, much larger than a normal size reptile would ever lay. I believe that there is a loyalty that I will never doubt and will offer this exchange to Pilfer. I think Pilfer will leave the knife but still refuse the egg. We're a bunch of skeletons. What do we know about Is it a baby? Because while Pilfer is a wolf, at its very core, it is still a creature that understands loss. And why make this child face the same thing already? You know? But hey, it's a dog. It <laughs> can't express that. 
Just mental vibes. I know just the place to keep it. I know just the place to keep it. I know exactly where we can put it. It'll be safe. It'll be the safest place. Mm-hmm. That is all I would want. Does it eat? Not yet. Okay. I know the safest place to put it. I know the safest place. Because I always know the safest place. I know the safest place in every room I walk into. And I know the safest place in here. Yeah. Sammy walks up, scoops the egg, gives the lady a nod, walks over to the sarcophagus, pulls it open while, like, looking at Steadfast, like, don't stab me, don't stab me, please. And I staring at you with the hand on the hilt of the sword. Sets the egg down, presses something inside the sarcophagus. There's the sound of grinding stone. There's a plop sound. And then he presses it again, resetting everything, and then puts the sarcophagus back. There! And we then remember that Sammy, being in his heart a coward of cowards, yes, his rank was Lancer, because he stood in the Lance line, but everyone called him Sammy the Coward, because he always knows the safest place to be. And my question was, what is the byname you earned from your greatest accomplishment? And that was surviving a surprising amount of battles when really he shouldn't have. Solid. I am wondering, is that an actual magical power he had to know the safest place in any room he enters? Could be. I think it might be. On the list of dumb, but kind of useful powers, that's pretty high. That is an excellent power. One. It might be one of those things that, like, it's not that he's innately magical, but because he's just such a coward, it just eventually manifests as, like, a magical thing with him. It's a blessing from the god of cowards or something. Of wusses. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Now I have to write down God of Cowards for the world, Doc. Oh, no. I got you. <laughs> I realized I never actually answered a question, but with this whole situation as Steadfast has been watching this, she remembers that she's been in a situation kind of like this woman has been before where you have to run and hide and cannot find a safe place. She was in a bad situation until one day she was able to get in an even worse situation with the person whose tomb she is currently guarding. And when she proved that she was able to keep him safe, I apologize. It was thanks to that that she got in a bad situation with Hero, who's there protecting his tomb. And when she was able to save his life, that is what got her the job, and that's how she became his guard when they were both probably, like, teenagers. She remembers, like, what it's like to be on the run and trying to find a way to survive. And as the woman, I assume, eventually leaves, she hopes that she finds peace and safety in her new role as Steadfast did. She recognizes the situation. That's why she was very much didn't want to kill them, but also... Couldn't do much if y'all decided to. So then Sammy speaks up. Okay, now we have an accord. The egg is safe. We're all good. Only one more thing before we can allow you to leave alive. Oh. Can you help us drag these two bloated corpses out of the tomb? They're harshing the mood. I'm not into it. Just on the other side of the door. There's a brief moment where... The corpses are dragged, and then there is a brief flash of searing heat from the other side of the door. Like, she closes the door, and there's like a hot blast of flame. And then she opens it up, and there are just two piles of ash. We don't need to bite the smell. I mean, I can't smell anything, but I, I appreciate it. believe that I have one last thing I must do, looking at the torque. Yeah, the Odwa takes the Torg and puts it around the woman's neck. And you've not given us your name. Fasalia. Fasalia? Okay. And then they set the, the Torg on their shoulder and begin slowly bending the metal back into place to where it can't actually be removed. You can't get it up over your jaw 
it's a little bit too tight. Like, your neck should be fine. Then, Gravekeeper Vesalia, keep the dead and keep them well. And then Leodwa goes back and puts their hand again back on top of the tomb, bows their head, and goes still. There's no threat here, only a Gravekeeper. The thing that makes sense to me is that as the torque goes around, we see the first time this bronze dragon's true form as the scales start to oxidize and their form kind of wither a bit. The skin between the bones of the wings start to starts to fall away and the now also undead form of Asalia nods, ready to check on the cairns and tombs across this place, knowing that now she will not disturb her now uh, contemporary's slumber. Hey, did we just establish that there's several of these and all of them have undead skeletons inside? Yes. Cool, sick. All right, cool. And now there's a dragon gravekeeper who is also uh, my mom. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> Not gonna lie, I feel like the last thought before we all go back to our inanimate states that you hear from this death fest is, what are they going to do with a dragon egg? <laughs> what do dragons even... <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> All right. Yeah, so have fun with the quest one shot now that that's established. Oh, it's it's going to be so Glyza, good. Gliza's going to love it. It's going to be so good. And that's when we cut to Gliza loving it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gliza literally like, I love this. <laughs> All right. All right, well, now it's time for... Which is it? What's the system? Everyone, everyone's favorite game show. God or whatever. Odds for glory, even for gods. Though I do think even for gods, odds for glory read better. So I might... Okay, even for gods. We'll workshop it. Yeah. yeah. That's evens for gods. We're getting a lot of god laughs. And that's okay. So this is going to be basically a G3. Huh? magic animating one of the skeletons but not its compulsion to service is beginning to fade Ooh. I think we know exactly who just took off their torque yeah <sighs> so it's it's not gone but now I feel like in my head that that's the final thing a gravekeeper is supposed to do right like you, yeah. you take care of all these things and then the last thing you're supposed to do is make the next gravekeeper yeah. pass on the torch. So my thinking is that like Torque has been like the super badass this whole time and now Torque is just like a regular skeleton like at mm. our level. Right. Yes, yeah. Like, like Torque has been our Gandalf and now like instead of going Gandalf the Great and Gandalf the White, Torque had legendary actions, right? Like right. Mm -hmm. I think with that knowledge, I think when we deanimate, Pilfer is going to be next to Torque. Oh, yeah. Yes. Pilfer is my son. What was it, Ben? Uh, what? Nothing. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't hear what you said anyway. So. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't say it either. Okay. <laughs> say anything? I'm sure. Whatever that means. I said. I said. Uh, Pilfer is my son. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was gonna be something like weird. Okay. Okay. Sure. Time passes. Centuries. Perfect. Choose once on the world's crumble or time devourers table. Oh, well, those sound metal as all hell. So we'll do even for world's odds for time. That's yeah. not quite as catchy. <laughs> not quite as good. But... Uh, evens, worlds. Crumble or devour. The world's crumble. The tomb is flooded. Oh. Oh, word? What is ruined, mold covered or decayed after the waters recede? Adjust the map. Mm. 
I mean, the floor will probably get fucked up. Also, fuck that bouquet, I guess. Yeah, the flowers are gone. Those are just gone. They were hanging upside down. Oh, that's true. Depends on how high the water rises, I guess. So the ring, super small, got lost beneath mm-hmm. the, like, casket, yeah. the sarcophagus, 100%, right? The ring's somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fell in the cracks of the mosaic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, ring, gone. Flowers, honestly, probably worse. They're just ruined. I, I think it just depends on how high the water rose. I feel like I feel like it was it, it wasn't it was kind of like a one big wave in mm. that eventually kind of seeped out through the cracks, which also further unstabilized the ground. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The flowers got like drenched and thrown, and then just kind of like got droopy inside. Like, they're already gross because they're flowers in a tomb for decades plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, even if they were preserved in some way, it wouldn't last forever without some magic. Now, Bree, the th- the thought that I just had, mm-hmm. hear me out on this. What if... It ma- ruins the cloak. Well, even more than that, what if it knocks you further than five feet away from the sarcophagus? What happens? It doesn't, we don't have to do that. That, do, that is also, it does feel like like another like post-intruder question, but it just feel, felt like a fun question to have you answer. You're down. Maybe not like past it, but like really close. And she, yeah. like, she's always woken up with her back leaned against it, but now she's laying on the floor. If she rolls over the wrong way, we'll find out what happens when she goes beyond the five feet. Incredible. Also, 100%, the Stoic is on top of Sammy and is going to be that swept on top of each other. Yeah, they got tumbled together. Yeah, 100%. They're all just kind of jumbled. Rob, what happened to the egg? Oh, I'm. it would be fine. It's, it's in that sealed thing. Oh, yeah. Also, it's, it's a dragon egg, which in most continuities are notoriously durable. Do they um, hatch after centuries? Like, what's the trigger to hatch this fucking egg? I mean, hey, we haven't set dragon lore yet. True. Yeah. I think we can leave that somewhat ambiguous, but its mother can now canonically come and visit and take care of it. She wouldn't be considered an intruder, so she could have come to grab it after it flooded. Exactly. So that's so that's why also I did the like kind of Draco Lich route because then it won't won't break the mechanics of it. We'll say yes, but it eventually moves out. Okay, so the dragon does leave. Either we make it undead too, or it's an, or it's an intruder and has to bounce. They think. Oh yeah. Oh right. Is the dragon an intruder? Right. Because I think the other option is now we just have a line. Of... Then the best thing would be takes the mother takes the egg right before it hatches, so it doesn't become an intruder. That would probably actually make the most sense. Or by then she's been able to find a safe place for it to live. The tomb has flooded. The mosaic is all ruined. The ring and flowers are ruined. People have been thrown about the whole circle there. We're no longer in the place we're supposed to be. Arise and protect the tomb, skeletal guardians. There is a long silence after the call to action but the shuffling of feet outside of the giant stone double doors. And finally, the murmuring of men, one slightly more nasally than the other ones. And the skeletons at the front, Sammy and Stoic, who are able to gather themselves and stand up, overhear the nasally voice say, Now, she's three towns over. I've been watching her movements for eight years now. This tomb is untouched. Now, when you get inside, form a cordon, take what you want, but if anything moves, don't kill it. Do you understand? And there's murmuring from the men until finally, from the other side of the doors, you hear, heave ho, heave ho, as eventually the doors get pulled open with men holding picks and uh, pythons and grapple hooks, forcing the door open. A dozen well-trained, well-armored, well-equipped 
and gruff-looking veteran mercenaries rush in with shields and swords at the ready and form a wall as a single black-robed man with a staff that has a skull on the end of it strides in like a supervillain and looks around at all of you and says, Ah, I knew it. The perfect treasure. And he begins to wave his staff above his head as, like, green magic begins to spark, and it attempts to invade your skeletal minds. The necromancer has arrived. I will say, before they came in, I probably, like, realized how close I was and just kind of scooched over a little bit and then went back to playing dead. (laughs) So... All right, I will read the prompt now, because I like to read the prompt after doing the flavor text, because I'm the drama. Mm-hmm. A necromancer and some mercenaries. Describe them, illustrating how much more interested the necromancer is in you than in the treasure, which I did. Surely this person will use their knowledge to try to control you, which he will. Will this person succeed? Everyone answers none, one, or two questions as you prefer. And then we choose one each on the glory fades and God's laugh table. So how does everyone respond? The necromancer is trying to invade your minds. In an exact mirror to the moment from centuries before with the rats, Leodwa comes flying over the stoic, just leaping off of the stoic's shoulder with their blade held high and describing the exact same arc as that moment centuries before, they come down and barrel into the necromancer. And just exactly the same as it was centuries before, if their sword was sharp, this would have been a clean kill. However, it's been centuries. The blade is not only dull and broken, but tarnished from the flood. They don't have the mark of their office anymore. And so as they scrap with the necromancer, it's not just a scrap. They are losing. The bladed maple is losing a fight for the first time ever. The only question I have left on my sheet is, whom did you once love? I don't know. I've forgotten it doesn't matter anymore. The only thing that matters is scrapping with this necromancer. I have the same question. Whom did you once love? And I think for Pilfer, it's Tor. I think while you are struggling to win the fight on your own, for the first time since we've been in the tomb, Pilfer moves to defend it at your side to help you defeat the necromancer and we just have a flashback to when the entombed didn't come home Leodwa took care of Pilfer for however many more years Pilfer lived and in Pilfer's sadness at losing their master at least they had a new one and I think Pilfer is now at this point almost more loyal to Leodwa than the tomb. But Pilfer is going to aid in the defeat of this necromancer. Whether or not this is act- we actually kill it with this, I don't want you all to not get a chance to do something. I have a quick question. Uh-huh. For uh, Leodwa and Pilfer. Uh-huh. So Leodwa took on Pilfer after the entombed died. Mm-hmm. Is this something that the Grave Wardens do? Or did Leodwa act out of their station in taking on this, mm-hmm. this animal? This is the thing that the Gravekeepers do. <laughs> Leodwa was fucking devastated that they had to wind up with a fucking dog. Just, just didn't. <laughs> like, no, you're, you guys, please please, somebody else take this fucking dog. And it's like, yeah, dog's in your family. I get that it's not the, like, you weren't, you're not that, you're not particularly close to that side, but, you know, you've been assigned. Didn't want this dog at first. 
Bumper. Leota was keeping up with their gravekeeping, but also became an absolute badass fighting in the hills. And they would tie Pilfer up at home. You know, did the minimum. Took Pilfer out for walkies, made sure that Pilfer was well-fed. But one day they went out to go hunting. You'll notice that they're a gravekeeper, not a hunter. They went out hunting, and Pilfer slipped his leash and just followed him out. And, you know, came in for this drop and took somebody out. The sword was sharp then, and it was a clean kill, but there was somebody who was coming in from behind and almost took Leodwa out, and Pilfer was there. And that changed things. And by the end of it, there are worse companions forever than somebody else's fucking dog. My dog now. I like the idea that we get the two shots side by side as Pilfer tackles one of the mercenaries who is going to defend the necromancer, their employer. Mm. Side by side parallel. The question I'm going to answer is, what connection do you have to those you've just killed or driven away? What memory did they evoke? Stoic was not always made of stone. They were once someone who would cast magic to draw upon forces of stone and earth to protect, to defend, to attack. They spent most of their life, I imagine, as like a mercenary, deeply tied to a band of like spellcasters. But as many people throughout the ages have learned, while you can draw from these different essences in the world, if you draw too deeply, you will become more in tune and thus part of that essence. So we see a moment where the Stoic has to draw more deeply and in a much more hurried and panic fashion than they ever had. And while they cast this incredible spell, we see their bones start to turn to stone and their form warps. They won't be able to keep up. They are left behind. And Stoic knows, being this necromancer, that this necromancer is also drawn too deeply. And so says to Lyodwa, do not go to stab. Their bones are probably frail, like yours. Bludgeon then looks and sees Captain Seamus, Sammy. So you don't see Captain Seamus. Oh. He has disappeared. He is gone. Sammy okay. is not there. Incredible. Completely vanished or uh, hiding on the other side of the tomb, God? He has found the safest place in the room. <laughs> okay, okay. And then my last question that I want to answer, because honestly... I'm not going to give the Stoic a name. Yes! Let's go! The last question is, how did you come to be among these strangers in life and then in death? So we know we know the back half of that question. But I like to imagine that a particular member of a royal guard saw this down-on-their-luck mercenary who had been booted from the group that they traveled with for their entire life and saw some promise. Recommended them to a particular camp in Seamus, maybe? She knows what it's like to be down on her luck and how much connection like that could mean, and she definitely would have seen the potential, so yeah, absolutely. And so I like the idea of, well... The Stoic will quickly go on to become an official part of Captain Seamus's unit, and then we know how that went. There was a brief amount of time where they fought side by side, and now, while the bear face off against the Necromancer, I like to imagine the Stoic 
fighting side by side with you against these mercenaries, the people who are actually trying to loot and, and desecrate the tomb. That leads into my question. I think I'm going to get an answer to because I do want to give this person a name. So, the name she was born with isn't the one that she kept because she was running from something when she ran into the man who would become her charge and then the entombed. But she started that new life. She took up the name Aurelia. And the one person she's always loved in one way or another is the entombed. She swore to always be by his side, which is stuck with her even into death. So she will not let anyone desecrate this tomb, and she is also not about to let something else take over her. So if she needs to, she will step forward to take out the necromancer. Oh, she steps out of the boundaries? That's a footfall. That's five yards. could make the argument that she's come to in some way love the people that she's with, that she's fighting with. At least the dog. At least the <laughs> dog. dog. And probably Torque. There's people that she cares about, and I'm not going to lose myself. She steps forward enough probably like just outside of the boundary. Maybe like you roll the Decorvancer over to her side and then whenever she gets the chance, she just, oh no, that wouldn't work. Um, just beheads him. I was gonna say she stomps on his neck, but she's a skeleton that would probably break her foot. <laughs> <laughs> so like there's a tussle and the Necromancer gets like really close, like a little closer. And then she takes one step over and just like whack. Is that how that goes? Yeah. yeah, she she steps outside of the boundary. Consequences be damned, she's not going to lose herself or any of these people. This person who wants to desecrate not only the tomb, but herself. I love this mental image of, like, the, these two lifelong companions reenacting this, like, pivotal moment in their relationship. Doic, like, holding back these mercenaries as then who I think we're about to get her name, or no? Arlia. Arlia. Um, does that. Well, he gets beheaded, but his staff is still there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it is at this point, there is the rumbling of stuff. Like, the mercenaries are like, uh, do we loot this place? The mercenaries are like, well, that guy was telling us not to kill the skeletons, but he's dead, so let's kill them. But also... Earlier has a staff now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can take his staff. True. You, you could. could. I mean, what's what's the worst that gonna happen? You become more undead, like <laughs> super undead. At the very least, it's now it's a blunt object, so she can smash and stab. Bare minimum, you can beat him to death with a magic staff. Real gish energy. Is that what happens? Yeah, she just takes up the staff and. They all hear in their heads. They're going to regret this day. Oh no, they are though! Because she's pissed. We do have seven people interred in niches mm. uh, in the front that we could, mm -hmm. we could resurrect for these. As she says that, she just slams it down into the ground, just trying to emphasize her point. You hear the rumbling as the those interred in the walls rise to save their father. So that it doesn't happen again. Slam it on the ground. Shatters. Flashing necromantic energy. And those seven dead rise. Two dust devils that are made of ash blow in from the doorway as well. Yes! Yes! Okay, those have to stick around, though. Come on. <laughs> They're so mad at each other. Two, so two balls of roiling ash connected by spectral chains. <laughs> Can I request that the staff is still, like, intact? It's just, it's just a fancy-looking staff. It doesn't have actual magic, so they can still... Used up all the magic. 
you you smash like the glass orb at the end or something. Yes. Yeah, the skull on top shatters. shatters. Yes. 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 Uh... <laughs> so now the numbers are even, big time, and these mercs get rocked. Yeah. And then there's a beat after like the last one flees, barely holding his 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 entrails in. Like he this guy is really messed up. And he like flees the tomb. There's a beat, and then there's the rumbling of stone, and then the sarcophagus blows open, and Sammy emerges holding the bronze egg, and he shouts, "I command you, Hatch!" Really? I com Hatch! And he's like shaking the egg in his hand. I'm going to tell its mother. No, don't tell. I'll put it back. I'll put it back. And then he crawls down to the sarcophagus and flips back over, puts the egg back, comes back up, and goes back to his spot. See, we're all good. So, what happens to all the things you just raised? I think they got killed in the fight. When their job is done, they just crawl back into their <laughs> into their caskets. Leodwa goes back to take up their position next to the tomb, and when they reach their hand to set it on top of the tomb, the tomb itself has sunk to the point that they put their hand where it normally is and there's several inches of space between their hand and the top of the tomb. It doesn't matter. Their head bows anyways and they go back to being an animate. I think the last thing that the Stoic says to Sammy is just like your deception, but I did find joy in the service I did. I will not use the word forgiveness just yet. We have much time to come. Sammy, in his pose, without looking over at Stoic, acknowledges Stoic and just says, Look, Stoic, buddy, you you just don't know what it's like to be a loser. And when you're a loser, you'll do anything. You'll do anything to get out of there. Yeah, yes, Lex. Now kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Owen's clacking against stone. <laughs> like the Monty Python coconuts just I have a thing. I meant that to just be between the two of you, but it kinda like echoes around with all of us. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And you just hear Aurelia in your head. Huh. Proven to be a pretty good guard so far. Yeah, I bring that guy with a sh. <laughs> oh, incredible. You just got a compliment okay. from your bestie. Ben, you get both a glory spade. Yeah, you get both. I get one of each. Let's go. Yeah. All right, let's start with glory. Glory. Something the skeletons are protecting is lost, stolen, or simply missing. What is it? Did somebody run off with the manacles? <laughs> but if one of the ones who ran away found the ring before they left? Oh, I was thinking the ring, yeah. Because okay. we lost track okay. of the ring already. So, like, if yeah. they, like, tri on the way out, they tripped and, like, saw the ring on the ground and ran off with it or something. You know, there was the time where we were fighting mostly the necromancers. So they had some amount of time, these mercenaries, loose. They were looting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they were trying to loot, and then all of a sudden the tides turned. Right. And honestly, like, the only thing of value above the sarcophagus is the ring. So, yeah, one of them found the ring. Mm. Yeah. Important ring. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's go. God's laugh. Something from a skeleton's past has been accidentally revealed. What was it, and why was it hidden? Note this on the map. I am going to roll randomly a die four, because I am not going to include myself. <laughs> so it is going to be Bree, Lex, Rob, or Zad in that order. Zad, what is revealed about Torque? Why was it hidden? Something sinister, perhaps. Boy, you know how bad I am at making things sinister, especially when it comes to an actual, to, to a person. Because the best I've got is that empty niche down on the third from the left on the south wall. That's theirs. Uh, uh, I love that. 
I love that. Yeah. Not theirs. That was meant to be one of their parents, because I did say that this was grandfather. Why was it hidden? Well, quite frankly, because Leod was meant to be royalty of some sort and wound up a gravekeeper. It's a noble profession. It's the sort of thing that you, boy, we sure are glad we've got gravekeepers. Wouldn't want your kid marrying into that family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that blood went bad, but also, no matter how bad your blood is, you still want to make sure that your dad's grave is tended for. And so, this is the familial tomb freely Odwa, and it was hidden because saying so was too painful. And quite frankly, if they had known, they would not be here. They would have abdicated their duties, they would have walked away. Doesn't matter now. They can't remember. And with that, we transition to time passes. I have rolled a decade. We will sit in silence for one minute. And then the final encounter. Arise and protect the tomb, skeletal guardians. As you thrust the knife in and it starts to fall apart, you see it, a very peculiar thing happens. You see it sort of cast its, it turns its head not towards you, but towards the skeleton with the shield. And it just kind of looks at it for just a split second before finally losing all of the necromantic energy that was sustaining it and collapsing into a pile of rock. The Stoic thinks about how they'd been so mad at Sammy for seemingly duping him with this life debt, and then thinks about how through it they were able to do what they love, to serve, to protect, to feel useful and powerful, and in a way that they thought they never would again. And as that flashes through their thoughts, they turn towards Sammy, wanting to say something as their skull is detached from the rest of their body. Would you like to describe how the thorn ends this skeleton? Yeah. Let's see, so I managed to shoot the thorn directly between where his eyes would be, (laughs) and it just shatters his skull. So as Aurelia falls, she grew up with the belief that the entombment for the body is sacred. If you disturb the bones, you disturb the rest and potentially pull them from the afterlife, so... As she falls, she knows that's going to happen. The man she loved. And she remembers back to the last time when she woke and she stepped beyond the boundary of what she said she would always be. And she realizes that after all this time, she's failed. All right, so he walks up to it as it's like, (gasps) and he's just like, the end shall come for you and all of yours alike. Look at me in fear. Feel despair. Goodbye. And he just like takes the staff, swings, hits it, and then looks over at the other one and he's like, I forgot about you. And just like kicks the head up. (laughs) As the head's in the air floating, he goes, wait, something's missing throws glitter on it and then swings his staff like a baseball bat and slams it right into the uh into the other skeleton's head and just shatters both heads. Oh my god. Both in an explosion of bone and glitter. Yeah, both skulls like shatter and the the skeletons just completely collapse. As Sammy the coward charges headlong screaming into the ears of his compatriots. He thinks back to his first battle. He's in the trenches with the other lancers, and 
Captain Seamus approaches all of the men and gives them a pep talk before the charge and then sets a hand on Sammy's shoulder, looks down at him and says, First time, lad. And Sammy meekly nods yes, and he says, Stick with me, you'll be all right. And Captain Seamus sounds the charge, and Sammy doesn't run. He just curls up in the trench, holding his lance, and lets everyone else die for him. Years fly by like dead leaves, everything is darkness, everything is silent. You stand vigilant before the sarcophagus without thought or breath, such is your compulsion. You do not remember your name and still you stand watch. The flesh has fallen off your bones and still you watch. You'll never be alive again, but in this moment, in the chaos between violation and destruction, you truly live. You remember what you once were and you taste the sun. And there is a brief moment of silence as Reginald, you feel the skeleton dog pull away from you, kind of shimmies back a little bit like dog do, and it sits down very politely. And then it takes that bronze dagger that was in its mouth and it sets it down at your feet. And then it curls up into a little doggy skeleton croissant shape. And Gubin, you see the magic from it just fade away. The next time I wake up, will there be another master? You've been listening to Game Woven, a collaborative storytelling collective building a world one game at a time. Help build the Game Woven world by joining our Discord, which can be found by visiting us on Twitter at GameWoven or at patreon.com slash GameWoven. This episode featured T.T. Benjamin, who can be found on Twitter at ttbenjamin1. Brianna Jean, who can be found on Twitter at pseudonym social. Lex Olden, who can be found on Twitter at call underscore me underscore they. Rob B. Rowling, who can be found on Twitter at Rob B. Rowling. And Zadkiel Vasky Huff, who can be found on Twitter at Zadkiel in Green. Until next time, thank you for listening to Game Over.